This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Rama Bible Training Center, Nigeria. And we're continuing along the lines that we've been following on the uh, why Satan is after your will and how it pertains to your faith, how it pertains to the life of faith. And so... Uh, We'll continue that here. Let's begin uh, this session in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. And I think, you know, even though we know we, know we are triune beings, we, we understand that, uh, how the word Paul broke that down, but keeping our focus when we're hearing the word on what part that the word is talking to, you know, is, is it speaking to the... To the flesh? Is it speaking to the soul? Is it speaking to the spirit of man? And uh, and learning from uh, all of all three of those, and learning uh, better how to uh, live by faith, how to exercise our faith, and how to walk in that supernatural might of God. So we're going to begin in First Peter chapter two and verse eleven, and uh, here here this is the. Uh, the uh, admonition that, that Peter gave. Dearly beloved, I beseech ye as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust. Now we all know what abstain means. It means quit. It means to draw away from it, draw back, abstain from it. Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. And so there are a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of things that, that people, uh, that the flesh lust after, you know. Uh, you, could, you could just name a, a lot of things. You, sometimes people just kind of narrow it down to one or two or three things that the flesh, but the flesh, you know, it, it lusts after a number or numerous things. But he said, dearly beloved, I, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. So we see then here how that lust affects the will, how it affects the soul, which, which is uh, where the will of man is located. And he says that fleshly lust will do that. That's more than a, uh, you know, it's, a lot of times it's kind of narrowed down and it, for some people they think that only that of a, from a sexual kind of thing, lust, but this is a, Lust to overeat, uh, lust to sleep too much, lust not to sleep very much. You know, a lot of things goes into that. But nonetheless, all of these lusts of the flesh, he said, Peter says here, says they, they war against the soul. So that just simply means then if it's warring against the soul, it is doing some warfare against my will, uh, against my obedience, and against my submission to God. So Satan then can bring to us things uh, against our flesh. He can bring things to our mind, you know, that we could lust after or those kind of things. But however Satan needs to do it, he's going to do it. He's going to use whatever is at his disposal in order to get to your will. Because if he wins the battle of my will... He has won the battle of my faith life. He's, he has taken my faith life away from me. If he wins the battle, 
of, of my will and my submission and my obedience, he win, Satan wins that battle. So we don't want to let him do that, do we? Because we already know and understand what, uh, what the, Paul had uh, said to the churches that he wrote his letters to, you know. Uh, we're, we're more than conquerors through Christ. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Satan wants to take that away. And uh, I think I said in the last session, Satan does not want God's people to bring God any pleasure because obviously there is a tremendous hatred that Satan would have for God. And so there, therefore, he can't get to God, but the way he tries to get to God is, is he, he tries to get to God's people. He tries to use God's people to keep, the, to keep God's children from bringing pleasure to, to him. So no, no, notice what he said. He said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. So the enemy of our soul, who is Satan, the enemy of our soul seeks to keep our soul preoccupied and tormented with things of human nature so that we're not able to fulfill the plan of God for our lives. So, uh, like I said earlier, Satan uses anything and everything uh, in order to uh, keep us from fulfilling the plan of God for our life. Satan hindered, you know. Uh, uh, Paul, in his writings, he said, uh, give, give, give the devil no place. Uh, so if, if, if he tells me to give him no place, then that means that he will not have a place in my life unless I give it to him. That don't mean he won't come against me, but he'll not have a place. It's one thing to be standing on the front porch knocking on the door than it is to be in the house sitting in the recliner. So I use that to say, don't let Satan in your house. He may be knocking on your door, you know, with a lot of different things, but just don't let him in the house. And so uh, we, see, we see then that, uh, that uh, uh, when Satan uh, wins the battle of the mind, uh, affecting the will and the desires for the things of God that uh, we're not able to fulfill the plan of God for our life. God has a plan for everybody in here, you know, and so we're not able to do that. And so our Father God wants our soul to be prosperous. Before we prosper in, in other areas, we need to work on the prosperity of our soul. And John tells us about that in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. All these are familiar scriptures to you, but I, I, I like to always read them uh, in our hearing. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in hell, even as your soul prospers. So we see then that, that prosperity of the soul, it goes to the will of man, and uh, the will of man goes then to the, uh, the, the place of faith, uh, their to a life of faith and a place of victory. So if Satan can, can win the, the battle of my mind with, uh, with uh, fleshly lust, uh, temptations, tribulations, trials, or whatever, whatever it is, if he can win that battle, then what he can do is he can keep the plan of God from coming to fruition 
in your life. So that's why it's so important that as John says it here, my beloved, I wish above, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Now see, God, God wants you to prosper in all three areas. There's five things. God wants you to prosper in your spirit. He wants you to prosper in your soul. He wants you to prosper in your body. He wants you to prosper in a financial way as well, ever need met. And then he wants to prosper you in your uh, interaction with, uh, with other people, with, especially with Christians. He wants you to be prosperous in all of those areas. And so, you see, Satan is continually after, after the child of God so that he thwarts the will of God. He thwarts the life of faith in the believer and keeps the believer bound up in a carnal, natural state in life. When God wants to raise us up to a supernatural state for, for our life. So we see then that, uh, that the, when he says, even as your soul prospers, well, once again, pointing out that, that the soul of man is the seat of the will, the emotions, and the affections that are expressed from our natural body. All of the seed of that comes, it settles in the soul of man. So he said that you would prosper uh, even as your soul prospers. And so um, we want, he wants us to prosper with our will. He wants us to be prosperous in our emotions, the controlling of our emotions, and the, inf- the affections of things that, that, that we would like in the natural world that would be prohibited uh, even by, by the word of God. So again, pointing out that Satan is after the will of man, the will of a person, man, woman. Mankind. He's after the will. He's after control. Now, when I say control, I'm just simply talking about controlling how you think, uh, uh, how much time you spend in your fellowship with the Father, all of the things that goes into a life of faith. And if Satan can control that part of our lives, then he can keep us from walking in God's best keep us from fulfilling God's plan for our life. So the battle is raging. Remember now this, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is anything that lodges itself in your mind until you think on it all the time. It becomes a stronghold. Now it can be a good stronghold, or it could be a bad stronghold. And so uh, he, Paul is making reference to strongholds that are not good. So he said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, not fleshly, natural. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So if the soul is weak, it can't do that. It, it can't. It can't pull down a stronghold. And every imagination, casting down imaginations, and every, every what? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, your soul has got to be strong. Your will has got to be strong. Everything that exalts itself against the, the knowledge of God, 
and bring into captivity every, every, every. Now here's my question. Every is how many? Now here's the question. This just helps you think a little bit here. How many thoughts have you had today? You don't know. See, none of us know, do we? So, but when Paul uses that word every, that, that tells me that he's really putting some emphasis on how our mind is thinking. Because I don't know how many thoughts I've had today. I don't think, I don't know if anybody would know. You know, you know first, one of the first thoughts I had this morning when I got up was go back to bed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, the thoughts come. But when he said every thought, we see, how, we, see the, we see the emphasis and the importance of our thought life. And so if we're, not, if we're not taking care of our thought life, our soul, where our will is at, it can easily, easily then uh, develop into strongholds that really, really produces problems in the life of the Christian. Because it keeps them out of doing the will of God. Keeps them out of uh, the plan of God. And keeps them out of the blessings of God. See, all of this is centered right here by the choices that we make. And of course, if, if, if you don't know certain things about God, then obviously the answer to that is, is, is uh, get someplace where you can learn you know, more and more. That we may grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we see, once again, the emphasis. Now, I know I'm, I've repeated a lot here, uh, and I'm still doing it in this third session, but sometimes, you know, it's good to zero in on the target, as it were. Just zero in on it and, and talk about it. So one of the ways that Satan wars against the soul of uh, mankind is through lust of the flesh that, puts, that will put pressure on the will. The flesh lusting to do something that, uh, that is, that is uh, forbidden, you know, in the scriptures to do or whatever, be it whatever, bad, real, real bad thing, whatever. Uh, it, it puts pressure on, on, the, on the soul. Fleshly lust puts pressures on the soul, thusly putting pressures on the will of God. I mean, of the will of man, putting pressure on our will. So if our will is weakened, then faith is not going to be present because, pres because faith does not, uh, faith does not uh, work with the carnal mind. It works with the spiritual mind. But, you know, when you, when you think about all the good things that God has for us, it's not a, it's, it really shouldn't be a chore to do it. It should be a joy to go on that journey to accomplish all of these things in our life when we look at it from that perspective. So James, uh, James chapter 1, verse 14, he says it this way, but every man is tempted. So that tells me that I'm going to be. That tells me that you're going to be. But every man is tempted, and he, he, can, he explains, uh, he, he explains, you know, uh, what, what happens beyond that. But every man is tempted, tested, and proven when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So that's why 
that 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 the that the uh, that taking uh, charge over the lust of the flesh is important where your faith is concerned. And so uh, every man is enticed or allured when he's drawn in a particular direction by a strong desire of the mind that demands a choice of his will. Let me say that for you again so, so that you'll you, you connect with what I'm saying here. Every man or woman, every, all, all mankind, every man is enticed or allured when he is drawn in a particular direction. So we know this, that Satan would seek to draw us in a particular direction, which would be away from God. And if my, if my mind is not strong, if the soul, my soul is not strong, and if my, if my mind is not renewed and my will is not strong, he says that I, that I can be drawn away by the lust of the flesh. Drawn away from what? Drawn away, number one, from my lifestyle of faith. Drawn away from uh, my fellowship with the Father. All the different things that we can mention here. Uh, he says that we are drawn away from that. So every man is enticed or allured when he's drawn in a particular direction by a strong desire of the mind that demands a choice of his will. So we, we, we understand then when you see it, you can better deal with it when you really understand that. The flesh, what we see, what we hear, what we feel, and our soul where our will is located and our decisions come from is where Satan puts a demand upon it through the lust or the desires of the flesh. So uh, anything that, that a person is dealing with that draws them away from doing the will of God as opposed to drawing them to the will of God, then that lust of the flesh is something that needs to be, it needs to be put under, as Paul said it. And the only way you can put it under is to get it where, where it, does, it does not occupy your thought life to, to the point of obsession. And if you leave it alone, sometimes it can get into obsession. You know, I mean, you're obsessed with it, and it could lead to other things uh, if, if that's not de dealt with in, in the person's life. So, uh, we see then that the flesh, what we see, what we hear, what we feel, as well as the soul where our will is located, where our decisions come from, that is where Satan puts a demand upon our, our, our soul through the lust or the desire that he has presented to our flesh that draws us away from God. We should have the desire to draw nigh unto God. Okay, so Satan... Uh, well, let's, let's turn to Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And he says, and you hath he quickened, or made alive, and you, talking to the, talking to the saints there at Ephesus, in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, 
the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now that's, uh, did you get that? That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Okay. So notice what, notice the reading, uh, talk, talking about lust and, and, and desire and all of those things. Keep in mind that Satan brings temptation, test, or trial to draw us away from uh, uh, the life of faith and also to cause us to become obsessed with that particular lust or desire so that he then is in control of my thought life as opposed to God being in control of my thought life. And so uh, uh, when Satan becomes, or when Satan is in control of my thought life, Paul, Paul talks about what I should do about it. He said, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So I bring every thought and, and, and I, I bring it to the word of God. I bring it into obedience either to, to, to cast it down or if it's drawing me closer to God, you know, then that's okay. But, but notice what he said. He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now listen to what else he said in here. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. Well now how do you do that? How, how do you have in readiness to revenge disobedience? You have your mind renewed to the word. You have your soul is strong. Your will is strong. You're strong in the inner man. So what happens then when Satan comes, you see, we then are ready to revenge that thought of disobedience with the word. The word comes right out of our mouth and we stand and just say, no, Satan, no, I will not do that. And I, and I have authority over you. See what I'm saying? So I revenge those thoughts of disobedience by, by having my mind renewed to the word and when Satan comes to allure, allure or to lure me away with a, some desire that I know is not right, what happens? The inner man. The inner man stands up. Your mind stands up. So, well, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to bring my thoughts into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. And I, no, I'm not going to yield to that. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Satan, you, 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 you can't make me do that. I'm not going to do that. You, what have you done? You've revenged that lust or that desire that Satan has tried to place in you to be disobedient to God. And so all this comes about in your mind, through your mind, and uh, the, the, uh, the strength of the inner man, the strength of your soul, strength of your will, all of this is so important because, again, let me say for the, I don't know how many times I've said uh, uh, the thing about it is, Satan, if he can get your will, he can get your lifestyle. 
I'm talking about the, the godly lifestyle. If he can get your will and get you in a position where you are not revenging those, those, those lustful thoughts that he brings to disobey, he, he can get you then and pull you away from God, you see. But you have to get your mind. You have to engraft the word into your mind so that the word is something that you think about. You think about it. You, you have other things to think about it uh, throughout the day, but you think about the word a lot during the day. You meditate on the word a lot through the day. And you, you're speaking the word to yourself, to yourself a lot th through the day. And so these are the ways then that we win over these kinds, kinds of things. So he said, uh, every man, well, we read that, didn't we? So we see then that uh, uh, Ephesians, let me read it. Did I read all of Ephesians there? Two, uh, one through, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, I did. So th this demand often comes, that where Satan puts this demand, this demand often comes through the lust of the eyes that feeds the desires of the flesh or through what feels good to the flesh. And so when we recognize all these things, it's just much, much easier to really resist and stand against. You know, what, what does the Bible tell us to do? He says, resist the devil he didn't say assist the devil he said resist the devil and what would happen if you do he said that, that Satan would flee from us didn't he? and so we see we are we are we were getting ourselves to a place with our faith and our lifestyle of faith where we are in where Satan's concerned we're in that resistant mode all the time we're in a resistant mode all the time that we don't even give him a second thought when he brings those kinds of thoughts to us, we are in a resistant mode. We, we are progressive uh, and uh, are, we are proactive as, as opposed to being what? Uh, uh, reactive. Proactive as opposed to being reactive. Because a lot of times you can wait till something happens, then react to it. And then you're really in a, sometimes you get in a real tussle or struggle. But if you are proactive, that means you're keeping yourself for whatever may come, whatever the test or the trial, whatever the temptation is, whatever it is that Satan's going to try to use against you, pull you away in your lifestyle of faith, pull you away in your walk with God, you are, you are proactive, you're ready when that comes. You don't have to say, oh my goodness, I better go get my faith to work it. No, it's too late. It's too late if you wait that late. I, I, I describe it like this. Oftentimes, if you, if you go by the water out here, you see, a, you see a person out there in the water that's drowning, you can stand on, you can stand on, the, on, the, on the shore and you can holler swimming instructions to them. Kick your leg, move your arms. Kick your leather leg, move your other arm. But guess what? They're not going to hear you. You know why? Because they're not listening. They're fighting for their life. They're fighting to keep from drowning. So they are not in, they're not in a position to receive instruction. And so that's what happens a lot of times where our walk with the Lord is concerned. We don't keep ourselves. I'm not saying you don't, but I'm just saying people don't keep themselves in a proactive state all the time. But then when the, when the, when the, uh, when the test and the trial and the temptation comes, it's like that man out there trying to, you know, kick his way out of that water. He ain't listening to no instruction. He ain't wanting none. He's just wanting out of the water. 
And that's the way it is with us sometimes. We just want out of this mess, you know. But when we're proactive, we're not going to be out there fighting the water, almost going under. We're going to be in a winning position. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to, we're going to have everything about the lifestyle of faith working for us. Okay. All right. So if our soul then, if the, if the soul of a person... Wow. i got a few more minutes, though, don't I? Okay. Uh, if our soul has not been converted or changed by God's word, the will not to yield to sinful desire or lust will be weak in a weakened condition and susceptible to surrender to the desire or lust brought, by, brought against our flesh by Satan. So we keep ourselves proactive. How do we do it? We engraft. Everybody say it with me. We engraft. What do you engraft? How do you do it? How do we do it? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Proactive. Everybody say proactive. I'm not waiting for the battle to come. I'm preparing myself to knock it out of the box when it does come. Yeah, you're on the offensive. All the time, amen. And so you're, you're, you're proactive and not re, re, reactive. And so we see then that, uh, that, that Satan then will not be able, when we're proactive, standing in the place we need to be in, with our lifestyle of faith. We are talking about faith, really. Our lifestyle of faith and all of the things that goes into living the lifestyle of faith, confession, uh, all those different things. Then when Satan comes, no, we, 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 we're not out there kicking the water. We're we out there kicking him. We're out there kicking him. Where's he at? He's under our feet. Resist him and he what? He will flee from you. Amen. Give the devil what? No place. Amen. So he'll come and try. But guess what? He won't last long. He won't last long in that test or that, that trial. Isn't that good news? You're going to be tested and tried. But you're going to win. You're going to overcome. Isn't that right? You're going to do it. Amen. Praise God. So, you know, uh, 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 where the will of man is concerned, and I'm not going to be able to finish all this, I see. But anyway, where the will of man is concerned, one thing that we must remember, that wounds or hurts that you may have experienced in life, it leaves hurts in the soul. In other words, if someone has treated you bad, treated you wrong, did an injustice against you or something, you, you, you were hurt by it, that wound lodged right up here in your soul. And if these wounds uh, uh, are not uh, what it will do, then it will, if we don't deal with it, it will weaken our soulish condition and make it susceptible to surrender to the desire or lust of the flesh. But where the will of man is concerned, one thing we, we remember then, let me, let me get down here where I was at. So someone mistreats you, says something negative about you, which could foster unforgiveness or bitterness. You remember what Jesus said when he told him in Mark 11, 22, 23, 24? He said, have, have faith in God. King James says, have faith in God. We've come to understand what that means. Have the God kind of faith or have the faith 
of God. And then he describes it how it, how it operated there, you know. Uh, but then he comes down in the 20, 25th verse, and he says, and, and when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, so that your heavenly Father may what? Now here's the reason, because those unforgiveness and bitterness and hurts and wounds, they become the sandbox for Satan to play in where your mind is concerned. And so that's why Jesus taught it and the other writers taught to be forgiving, forgive people, let it go. Why? Because to hold on to it is hurting you more than it is the one who did the injustice. But yet the flesh wants to hold on to it sometimes. But if we can just remember Satan with that hurt or wound or injustice that was done against me, if he can use my mind as his playground with that thing and hold me captive in that unforgiveness or that bitterness, uh, if he can hold me there, he has just interrupted my life of faith. He's interrupted my ability to forgive and he's interrupted the flow of forgiveness that comes from God when I need God's forgiveness in my life. So you see, that's why Jesus said, forgive. When you stand, pray and forgive if you have ought against any so that your heavenly Father may forgive you. Why? Listen, faith works by love. Say that, say that with me. Faith works by love. Listen, it takes a strong, supernatural, renewed mind to let some things go sometimes that people do to you or that people say against you. And if your mind is not renewed, if your will is not strong, if you're not strong in the inner man, Satan will have a field day. He'll have a field day with that thing. And, and uh, it, it will hurt your, it'll hurt your walk with God. It'll, hurt the, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll kind of stall the will and plan of God for your life until that thing is taken care of. And it most definitely will affect your faith. And in that condition, your confessions have no power. Your confession is powerless. In other words, they're just words without power. But if you're strong on the inside, strong in the inner man, strong in your soul, and you, you, you put yourself in that place, when those words come out of your mouth, they come out of there empowered. They come out of there with the power and the might of God uh, involved with those words, and they're going to accomplish something in your life. So, I don't know if you've ever had anybody do anything, you know, uh, where you needed to forgive them. But by all means, do forgive. Because if we don't, it affects our faith. affects our lifestyle of faith. Why? Because most often, when we haven't forgiven someone, we want to say something bad to someone else about them. We want other people to feel the same way toward them that we do. So we tell them what they did. And sometimes we may stretch it a little. And so, you know, you know what I'm saying. And so, when we do that, what have we done? We just jump right over in Satan's playground, and he's just playing with us and playing with our mind and yanking us here and yanking us there, and uh, and uh, we we think, well, we we're, we're hurting them. It's like it's like you drinking a glass of poison, thinking you're going to hurt that person. Remember, unforgiveness affects your faith. Unforgiveness weakens your soul. Unforgiveness works against 
uh, the will, your, your, the strength of your will in your soul, it works against it. And God don't want you to do that. Why? Because God, God wants an open pathway into your life to bring all of the good things that he has prepared for you. Amen. And, and one person that may have done something wrong against it is not worth us forfeiting all of the good things that God wants to bring into our life. Amen. Amen. So we see all these things goes into a life of faith. They really do. They go into a life of faith. And to live by faith then is more than confession. It's the way you conduct yourself. It's the way you live your life of faith. And you remember at the outset we talked about the pie. So confession is one part. Action is another part. Forgiveness is another part. Love is another part. Gentleness is another part. All of the things that's listed in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the spirit. What are, what are, the, what, what are those fruits? Can you name it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness. King James has the word faith, faithfulness. What's the last two? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. All of that's the big piece of the faith pie. That's the big piece of the faith pie. Amen. And so when I have engrafted and strengthened my, my soul and my will, and all of these things are coming out in my action, that's the big pie. What does it make? It makes a complete full, rewarding, rich life of faith for the believer. And that believer, and this preacher's going to quit. No. And, uh, and, and, and that's what God wants, the full measure of what faith and faithfulness and faith lifestyle is about. He wants that for you and for me and for all of his children. And you know what? I've done come to the, to the conclusion that I want it too. I believe you have as well. That's what I want. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, God bless you. Amen. For more information and inquiries, please visit our website, www.remanigeria.com or you can reach us on 0810016394 or 080765761636.